Welcome to the Align Nutrition Podcast, a place where eating doesn't get in the way of living. We use science and psychology to move past the challenges you face while healing your relationship to food. I'm your host, Erica Drury, a registered dietitian and intuitive eating counselor. For the past 10 years, I've been helping people like you find a happy medium of flow and balance with eating. If solving these issues were easy, you would have figured it out already. Expect to learn a new way. Each week, you'll hear trainings, listen in on mini coaching sessions from people on your same path, and learn from other guest professionals. I'm so glad you've joined me. Hey there, welcome back to the Align Nutrition Podcast. I am so excited to share with you an episode today. I have with me today, Sarah Dundar. You may remember her from a couple episodes ago when we were talking about triggers and boundaries. It was a wonderful episode that I recommend you go take a listen to. Got lots of positive feedback about that one and Sarah has a ton of knowledge to share with us. So I'm going to have her introduce herself and talk about who she is in case you did not listen to that one yet. Uh, so welcome, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me again. Yes. It's so validating to be asked back. Oh, absolutely. It was, like I said, it was such a wonderful episode. And I think knowing you as a person and as a clinician always helps too. I think it really comes through in our conversations and the way we speak to each other. Like we so deeply see the overlap of the role of the dietitian and therapist and bringing both of those perspectives in one conversation is always a win. <laughs> Just theoretical soulmates. Yes. <laughs> With outlooks on disordered eating, basically the same. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, please share with everyone who you are, your background, and the work that you do in this world. Well, as you said, my name is Sarah Dundar. I am a licensed professional counselor in Ohio. So my clinical focus is feeding and eating disorders. Um, It's what I enjoy working with the most. So yeah, I mean, it was never particularly my intention to go into this exact field of counseling, but I think it's necessary and it becomes more necessary every day. Mm -hmm. So when there's a need, we step up. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. And I know, you know, with your background and the way you approach people, you come from the stance of really understanding the systems we live in, the situations we live in, as well as the biological, the psychological, the social, and, and just how those all weave together when it comes to healing your relationship to food. And so I know when we were brainstorming the topic for today, the word structure kept coming up. How do you see structure and eating coming into the healing that you're seeing in your clients? Well, as we were talking about earlier, you know, I think something I see a lot with clients is this drive towards structure. A lot of times that comes up as far as like making rules. So I see a lot of people that have rules about foods and what they'll eat and what they won't and what time of day and all of these things. So a lot of what I do involves sort of harnessing the structure that people are already driven towards and using it in a positive way instead of, you know, using structure in a restrictive way. We use it in in a more opening up of a relationship with food. Mm-hmm. 
When you were describing it earlier, it almost reminded me of this container of safety where, you know, you want to have room to move around. You want to have flexibility. You want to have freedom. That's what we're working towards with food and healing our relationship to food. But if you go from being, like you said, super rigid and being drawn towards that and just saying, well, I'm going to eat whatever or whenever or however I'm spending my time without any kind of intention that you're bringing to that, it can feel overwhelming and it can be hard to set intentions or see where you're at in the healing process or again, set goals and and look at these things. And, and so I really appreciate the way you describe that. Yeah. And you know, you can relinquish some control in your relationship with food without becoming chaotic. And I think a lot of times we equate those things together, but that makes everything just feel completely out of control in our lives. But I think there's a difference between I'm going to take this structure that I'm, I'm wanting and sort of make some wiggle room versus let's just completely have a free for all and, and lose control of everything. Absolutely. It makes sense. And I know part of us coming together to have this conversation this time of year is because it's it's a time of year where there is potentially less structure. Maybe you're a student who just finished your finals or you are a mom and all of a sudden your kids are home or maybe you're going on vacation or you're going away for weekends or hopefully you have maybe more free time. Um, like I said, even if it's cycling between a weekday and a weekend or uh, maybe you get Fridays off in the, in the summers or early outs. And so it can present these challenges mm-hmm. to our clients where, gosh, it's really nice to have this free time, but then how do we deal with that? Yeah. The free time of summer is great and it's fun. And we all, to some extent, enjoy having more flexibility and freedom. But then there's also the other side of it where like you you said earlier, if I was used to having breakfast and then I had two classes and then it was time for lunch, what do we do when suddenly we have breakfast and there's nothing really to occupy our mind in between and then we need to eat lunch? It's sort of like how do we how do we convert our thinking to that? Absolutely. I I don't know about you, but some of the ways I've seen that show up in in just that kind of passage of time, it's you're in your head more, or maybe you're more anxious about something that's coming up, or you're struggling with not having the same schedule that you had a couple months ago, ago, or the consistency of that, or maybe vacation. It's great to have, but it also stresses you out a little bit, or maybe you have difficulty relaxing in this more free time and and and, and not feeling yeah guilty or and you know as much as we say like hey yeah like take the free time it's it's wonderful it's and the importance of, this podcast isn't going to be about the importance of rest and relaxation you know we'll save that um, for another day but yeah how do you how do you deal how, how do you start to build out a little bit of structure so that you can relax yeah there's this idea also that so much of our year basically from September through May is based in productivity. So we always have this very concrete measure of how you're doing, whether that's going to be a report from a boss that annually they sort of give you an update on what they think of your performance. Or if you're a student, you get grades and you have all of this constant stream of feedback. Then suddenly in the summer, there's no measure for that, at least no concrete measure of your productivity. Yes. 
I am thinking about a client that I'm working with currently who is dealing with that. And she was saying that in the absence of having grades and attending a class and getting this feedback that she was struggling and how she felt with uh, permission to eat and that sense of award factor and kind of what she you know, what she felt okay with. And so I know it was a dual conversation between me working with creating a little bit of a timeline for her and what her day might look like as it relates to eating breakfast, lunch and dinner and snacks, but also with her therapist of what does that mean about you? Where does that, is that perfectionism? Is that, you know, what is your value? And, and I know that that's something that you're kind of getting into as well. That's something that I love about your practice also is that you incorporate without mixing up your role as a dietitian, you incorporate some of the psychological pieces of it, which really we can't address issues of food and eating if we're not addressing the psychological components because food in a lot of ways and consumption is psychological. Absolutely. And that's, I think we're, you know, we're going to talk through a couple of different examples, both the school in summer and how do you deal with this either as a student or as a mom whose kids are home or as someone whose schedules change. And then we're also going to talk about vacation and kind of go through these whys and what's coming up because we need that. That's where I appreciate your role of this isn't just that you didn't make a schedule for breakfast and lunch. There's other things coming up for you. Um, Why are you struggling with this? what's it's it's this awareness building around what's actually going on around food psychologically socially etc and then how do we bring that context into some quick strategies um, as it relates to you know mapping out your day or or your meals and we have the whole biopsychosocial model that we always in my field work off of because it's at least to me, I mean, I don't know what the meaning of like smushing those words together is, but for me, it's like, you can't unsmush those words when you're talking about working with a person. So like you said, we're not just talking about, let's make a schedule just for the sake of doing it. It's because there are a lot of factors at play and even like the social part of it, which a lot of vacation and, and summertime is based around the social. Yes. They all go together. And and so, you know, thinking about the our solutions can't just be a one size fits all. So if we know your if, if we know that food and your life are touched by all three of these things, if you're going on vacation, there's the biological component of what what's your itinerary? You know, when are people going to be eating? Are the people that you're going with, do they eat three meals a day like you do? Or do they have snacks? Or, you know, how will that happen? How will time pass? How much time will pass between meals? What will the meals be like? Will they be things that, you know, you're in a more remote location and you didn't bring enough when you were on a hike? And so your quote unquote lunch wasn't enough to, to last you or your hike lasted longer than you thought. And, and you didn't have, you know, another snack with you, or would you maybe be at a restaurant where there wasn't a lot of foods that you felt comfortable with or that you liked. And so maybe you didn't quite get enough to eat, or are you in a situation where there's plenty of food around, but you're, you're wanting to 
kind of divide that into meals and snacks for yourself. You know, if you're, you know, you're all of a sudden you're at home all day. And so how do you choose when you're going to eat and what you're going to eat? Are you going to, are you going to still have regular meals and snacks or are you going to, you know, walk to the fridge or pantry um, every time you're noticing that a lot of clients that I work with um, the biological piece, they're, they're saying to themselves, Oh, I was just bored or I've been eating all day. And so we really try to sort out that biology of, Hey, when you were at school, you know, by noon, you had eaten breakfast and lunch and a snack. And so I'm not surprised that after you made yourself some toast an hour and a half later, you were wanting a little snack. So that sounds like just like what your schedule would have been at school. It's kind of like what you were saying that time is passing differently. Mm -hmm. And so I really see that biology showing up of what is the structure of your meals and snacks and how does time pass? And what is your perception of that? What would you say in, in the summertime that you see psychologically coming up for people or socially or both? Well, I think there's a whole psychological component that accompanies this idea of movement. And I mean that in a physical sense, but also movement towards goals. So if you are working your way through a semester and you have your midterms, so that's that's your signal that we're halfway through this you know, given situation. And I know we're using students a lot as an example, but I think it comes up a lot for students because they are the group of people whose schedule changes the most drastically in the summer. So we see sort of that shift happening. But then there's also this idea of like, when you are at home, there's just not as much planning that's taking place because there is more room to be spontaneous. I don't talk to many people who pack a lunch for themselves to then like put it in the fridge and then go pick it up <laughs> at 1145 or whatever the case is. But, but when you think about it like that, we just don't put as much time into planning it where it might've been when you were in school, you were getting that ready the night before, but now we're just not doing it. And that's not to say that we've suddenly become lazy. We just don't have to put as much intention into it over the summer. That's a great point. It's that in thinking about what intentionality do you want to bring to it? And like you said, you don't have to be a student to really be thinking about this for yourself. It it could be you're working from home or maybe your schedule changes to, you know, four or 10 hour shifts in the summer or instead of an eight to five, or maybe you have more meetings or less meetings. It, like you said, your schedule can always be changing. And we just tend to see it be more drastic with, you know, moms who are having their kids not be in school if they're, you know, at home with them or impacting childcare or students who are dealing with that. So I love the idea of bringing intentionality to it, not from a, yeah, you're lazy or you can't be spontaneous, but gosh, that could be the missing piece. If you feel like, oh, I'm just eating whatever all day long. Oh yeah. Well, typically you pack a, you know, lunch the night before you thought about that. And, and so you're just, it's just, that feels more neutral to me. That's just logistics. It's Mm -hmm. not anything you did wrong. Right. And also, you know, when we think about during the school year or during the fall and winter and spring, I guess, for lack of a better way to say it, we sometimes will go to the store and we're like, I need to get foods for lunch or I need to get foods for breakfast, knowing that these are the things that I have to accomplish throughout the day. Then in the summer, sometimes we get like a little bit more lax about that. But I think that just comes with sort of the pace slowing down in the summer, we don't feel this necessity to plan so intensely. But I think it is helpful when we plan. And if you work with 
Erica or myself, we help you do that. But I think that's also something that people can do independently. It just might be a little bit easier if you're working with someone and can just blatantly ask, what do I do about this? (laughs) But you don't have to have someone telling you what to do. Yeah. Yeah. And if you aren't, yeah, maybe you're sitting down and going, Hey, you know, what are some things I want to do this summer? What are some of my intentions? You know, if you're a college student, maybe it's visiting, you know, three friends that you're really close with that live in cities that you're interested in seeing or some books that you want to read or something. Yeah. That's just important to you. Or maybe foods you want to challenge. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, we were talking about this idea of like in the summer, you have some opportunities to challenge yourself with foods. And we were using the example of like a sprinkle ice cream cone, which I said, I don't need summer to feel like I want to do that. (laughs) There's nothing like a December sprinkle cone. (laughs) And if you haven't done it, you should try it. (laughs) Bring a little joy into your life when there's not enough sun. You know, it's like the rainbow sprinkles on a dreary day. (laughs) Don't knock it till you've tried it. But All that to say, maybe that is something that you associate with, like, after a Little League game, we go out and get an ice cream, and maybe that's a good time to challenge yourself in that way. Absolutely. When I think about it from a biological standpoint, it's always this consistency. Are you eating enough? Do you have a rhythm to your day so that we know that your body is getting consistent fuel so you can think clearly and work with these challenges? And and so, yeah, I love the idea of these social opportunities, these even these like healing opportunities. I have a lot of clients where you know, even some inner child work or those goals come in or just like it might be like, I want to make those cookies that my aunt used to always make. And I, I never ate without feeling guilty, but I'm going to make them with my daughter over Christmas break this year. We, you know, we can do that same thing in the summer. Like you said, the little league game or, Oh, I'm getting ready to, when it's warm out, I like to go grab a smoothie with a friend or drink iced coffee and have a scone. Like what it just presents these different opportunities. And especially if you do have the time, you know, it's, it, I think that's where, you know, we were talking about off, I must said off camera. <laughs> off that's what we recording. need to add to this. Yeah. <laughs> Just like heighten the pressure a little bit. <laughs> exactly. You know, before we started recording, we were just talking about how, you know, where does, where does your value come in too of when, it, like you said, there's this ebb and flow to the year. We don't always need to be productive or we don't always need to be accomplishing things. But like you pointed out, there's this relationship between um, how we feel about ourselves or getting these individual metrics. So that's where, again, kind of bringing some structure or intentional goals into our free time, there's nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. You know, if if it's important to you and you want to map it out, that's okay. And, and and maybe bringing a little bit, again, we're talking about structure and, and its role in healing our relationship to food. So if you want to say, hey, by the end of the summer, I would have liked to, you know, eat a bagel sandwich at this place and eat ice cream with my family or with a friend or just because I want some on my own or I want to, you know, go to a barbecue and, you know, eat these foods without, you know, compensating in some way by whatever, or I want to do this without guilt. There's something about setting this intention and structure. And I must think of like the consistency in our eating day to day and the food challenges also in what is our schedule for ourselves with this fun and these social opportunities mixed in Mm -hmm. as analogous. Mm -hmm. And summer's a great time just to 
achieve the goals that you want to, and there's no right or wrong. I use the example at the, well, before we started recording this, of like, maybe you want to unlock all the Mario Kart characters and cars. This podcast has not been sponsored by Mario Kart. I wish it was. (laughs) Um, But like, you know, maybe that is your goal. And that does give you structure in some like very backwards kind of way because you are working towards something, but it doesn't have to be something like you said that like hits the standard metric of achievement. It doesn't always have to be that serious. The goal could be to at some point in the summer, like hear the ice cream truck song and run out like you used to do when you were six and go get an ice cream because you want to. Absolutely. It's, and it's important. I think everything we talk about and the way we talk about things under this like biopsychosocial model, we're looking at the psychology, the biology and the social interactions here. It's thinking about what is it about having less structure, whether it's, yeah, your summer or your weekend or your kids being around or your work schedule changing. What is it about the structure or the less structure that is challenging for you? And I think we've kind of given some context to some examples you might run into, but it, yeah, it's just having less of a routine. And so how do you kind of map one out for yourself? But again, it doesn't need to be rigid or something you stick to, but it's also okay to say, yeah, these are the three things I want to do this summer and and here's how I'm going to lay it out. So And, you know, with moms, you know, we were talking about how they might have less time to themselves actually when their kids are home. So their challenge might be feeling the opposite. I don't have as much free time to either be myself or get things done. And so maybe thinking about, or how do I want my kids to spend their time? And, and, you know, is it that I'm taking them, them to a park and meeting a friend, you know, every Wednesday afternoon, and that's a tradition of ours. And while they're playing, I'm taking a walk around the loop with, you know, one of my good friends and talking about adult topics, or, mm-hmm. you know, what kind of what do you were talking about this, like, structure, and, and how does that relate to connection and isolation? And, and just also thinking about like, yeah, what are your overall needs as a person? And how do you meet that when it isn't built in for you in the Mm -hmm. same way of I go to work during the day and then at night I do this or, Mm -hmm. or whatever. Well, we were talking about having people who are kind of like our allies in our recovery process. So ally, meaning just a person who has some level of understanding of what you're dealing with and the challenges that you're facing with the expectation that nobody fully understands what we specifically are going through or feeling, but a person who, if you say, you know, my dietitian has challenged me in this way, or my therapist thinks maybe this could be a goal of mine. They're not going to look at you like you have a third eye, (laughs) you know, like it's just kind of a person that validates that maybe some things that, that come really easily to them are a struggle to you and doesn't make you feel like those are insignificant. Absolutely. Is it just someone that you can be honest and open with in your struggles? Who's just going to listen or validate you? Or again, just you're not alone in that. And um, so if it's saying, hey, yeah, you know, it's been a free for all in my house and, you know, I'm struggling to figure out what we're going to, you know, and just somebody that can just be there and it's not in your own head. It's not you feeling like there's something wrong with you Mm -hmm. if you're struggling with this. And, and I think, Sometimes when we have more time on our hands, we can 
just get in our heads a little bit, especially if we're, yeah, we're not connecting with people over these things. Kind of moving from, we talked about two big areas that we see structure and frankly, lack of structure showing up for people in recovery and healing our relationship to food, you know, most notably on time right now, summers, but also vacations. Mm-hmm. And I think this is one that can be repeated over and over again, but it brings similar challenges mm-hmm. to summer or a weekend where, hey, you know, unless it's a really tight itinerary where every single meal and snack is mapped out, but you're coming together with there's more free time, there's more openness, there's more social eating, there's maybe less structure to eating, um, especially if there's a large group of you. Um, so how are you seeing your clients be challenged by vacations? As we were saying earlier, vacations are the exception to, and and I don't mean that as, um, an exception to the work of recovery, because I think a lot of really good gains can come from the challenges that come with vacations. But I think they are an exception because they maybe happen one or two weeks out of the year. So maybe what was working for us every other week in the summer is going to have to be changed a little bit just because we're in a brand new place. We're maybe with the entire extended family. Like my family used to like go to Nags Head, North Carolina every summer. And I was a little kid at the time of this. So I don't think I was really putting a lot of thought into (laughs) for me. It was like ice cream and like popsicles and pasta salad, like constantly. (laughs) And I had a great time, (laughs) but I wasn't dealing with the struggle with food at that point. But you are dealing with a lot of different food schedules. Like you might have some family members who drink coffee and then it's lunchtime and they want to do that. And there might be family members who do like the traditional breakfast with like toast and eggs and all of that. So I think it just depends on who you're with and and everyone is basically an expert on their own family. So you sort of know walking into it what the situation is going to be, which makes it easier to plan. Absolutely. It's like um it's a bit that that sounds a bit like biological like where you're with people all day essentially or around them all day. And and we know that statistically speaking, like chances are some of these people are going to have disordered eating. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, you, you know, what's that feel like if you already ate breakfast, you know, someone else on your trip did not, and now it's time to eat lunch and, and you're hungry and you're ready to eat lunch. Well, how do you, how do you stay resilient in that situation and go, I have a rhythm to how I'm eating. And, and when I say a rhythm, I mean, you know, you're meeting your biological needs. So when Sarah, when we were talking before we started recording, we were talking about how different that can be in your recovery process. If you're earlier on in a recovery process, you might have a really specific meal plan or a very specific structure to your eating, or you might be in another part of your recovery process where you're at a place where you realize, Hey, for me, eating three meals and some snacks a day I have found is pretty good for me. In my experience, I do need that. Or if I'm skipping breakfast, that's something that actually reminds me of what I used to do, um, you know, when I was uh, deeper in my eating challenges. And so that's something I need to watch out for. Or if I'm on vacation, I might tend to skip snacks if other people aren't eating snacks. And so I need to pack my own to make sure I have them with me. So that kind of biological piece, along with like matching 
other people or not matching other people, I find is a conversation I'm having with people as well. Mm -hmm. And how I see that kind of butting up against to, you know, that schedule and like, what is everyone doing? And, and, you know, when, who made dinner reservations for Thursday and what time is dinner and, and when, you know, when did you guys go to brunch? And so, you know, what do you do in the afternoon when it's time for you for lunch? So care kind of like considering yourself, like you, like what you said before about, Hey, when you're maybe packing a lunch for work, you've thought about that. It's ready to go and you take it for if you're at home, you might just, you know, kind of wander up to the fridge around noon and not know what you're <laughs> going to do. So it's kind of the same way. I think when you're thinking about an itinerary and, and being on vacation or a weekend away with food of, have you considered your biological needs in yourself? You know, are you bringing some snacks with you in case things are random or, or, you know, maybe for you and your recovery, you always brought snacks or in your, you know, disordered eating or eating disorder, you always brought snacks. And so for you, the challenge would be, well, you know, I want to stop for coffee in the afternoon and, and get a scone and drink a coffee. And that feels more affirming to me and where I'm at. And so, but it's, you're still considering what are my biological needs on vacation and even to the best of your knowledge, of course, you know, things aren't always going to go according to plan, but I think there's something to be said about thinking ahead and making it a priority of, Hey, yeah, we're going to be in the car for three hours. Mm -hmm. So, you know, where will, will we stop for breakfast or will I eat something before we go? Or, you know, what do, what do I think other people with me will do and, and, and how will that impact me? And if you're listening to this podcast, you're already thinking about these things. So rather than thinking about them in that typical cycle that we get into, we're just shifting our thinking towards what does my body need? What will I be anticipating feeling at this time? Because knowing that you're already having those thoughts, let's just harness that and go with that and not try to necessarily never think that way again. We just want to shift it to something that's actually helpful. I love how you said that. It makes me think about you know, if I'm talking to a client and, you know, on a Friday, they always eat lunch um, at noon in between their two classes. And then on, you know, Saturday at noon, they're feeling guilty that they're hungry already after having had breakfast. You know, it's like, well, that's no different. Like your body, like you said, you've learning about your needs. Why would your body want lunch on Friday at noon and not want it? on Saturday at noon, you know, I mean, I'm not that your body's like this exact clock, but my point is, is yeah, that this is the goal of structure is to give you a chance to think ahead about yourself and, and to consider yourself. Mm -hmm. How do you see this stuff in a vacation setting or a weekend away setting show up with that kind of psychological or social aspect? It seems that they would really mm -hmm. all be intertwined. Well, yeah, vacation is such an interesting time psychologically and socially because, frankly, there are a lot of triggers in both aspects. You know, when you are traveling, there are the stressors that come along with that, that just whether you're flying, whether I mean, right now we're sort of still in the COVID age. So there's a whole new set of anxieties that come with that. But then socially, whether you are on a giant family vacation, I mean, that can be triggering <laughs> a lot of times, but there's also this idea that like, if you're meeting all new people for an entire week, 
then that also is triggering. So you have to sort of think about those things and evaluate, like, where am I going to be psychologically? Where am I going to be socially? Where's my head going to be? And really knowing yourself, like you had said earlier, like maybe there's also some social anxiety that we have to consider when we're thinking about preparing for this. Absolutely. It reminds me of a client that I'm working with. And I remember she went on this bachelorette party recently. And so she was with a lot of people that she didn't know. And some of them were really engaged in dieting and talking about bodies and appearance. And it had been a while before she had been in that situation where she's like, felt almost kind of lonely at the table. And she's like, I'm okay. And you know how I was eating and what I was eating, but I just felt kind of psychologically and socially, like psychologically different from some of the, I was in a different headspace. And then socially, I didn't really feel like engaging in that participation or in that conversation, I should say. So it's just that kind of, you were describing earlier, like it's important to check in with yourself and, and think about how are you doing? Yeah. It's like that fight, flight, or freeze sort of thing where if I'm in a situation where this conversation is happening, I like to call it fat chat because I hate the word fat. So let's just use it in this way. So you have to think, how am I going to react when this comes up? In our culture, this comes up a lot because it's on all of our minds. This whole idea of like, maybe the first time we wear shorts in the summer and then we're swimsuit shopping and then we're, we're doing all of these things that are pretty universal experiences. So they're going to come up in conversation. So then I have to make a decision as I'm feeling this isolation and sort of this freeze of like otherness in some ways, you can either just leave the room, which might be uncomfortable, but you could do it. Or then there's this idea of like, maybe I need to correct all of these people's diet thinking and sort of correct a whole cultural history of disordered eating, which also is going to be stressful for you. And you're sort of barking up a tree there where now not only were you triggered, but you're also stressed because you're feeling like there's this conflict going on. So it's, it's a tricky situation to navigate. Yeah, like that particular client, I remember she chose not to say anything in that situation and she just changed the subject and was talking to someone that she was sitting directly next to because she didn't know those people and trust them as much. But I know she's had conversations with her mom and saying things like, hey, that's fat phobic. Like, I don't, you know, I, I'm learning about a lot of this stuff. And so when you say it this way, it makes me feel this way or I didn't know this, but and thinking about these things in a new way and it can be really inspiring, like you said, only if you're really feeling like you're in the right headspace or you want to go there. But I think, yeah, I think all this stuff can come up on vacations because you are so exposed to people socially and psychologically things, you know, can be coming. You have more maybe time in your head or, you know, around people or new situations, or like you said, you know, maybe you're, you know, wearing shorts and walking to a concert and noticing how that feels when your thighs are rubbing together. And it mm -hmm. makes you question whether you do want to eat pizza before the concert. And then, you know, it's this whole cascade. And so how do you, how do you, yeah, check in with yourself and stay okay. And also know that, yeah, you still need to eat dinner and, and that it's okay to do, you know, what you had planned um, with your friends. And so I love how this conversation really came together with this idea of where does structure show up and how we're feeding ourselves biologically, how we're thinking about ourselves um, psychologically, socially, and, and how are we impacted when there is less structure and what, what structure do we need to bring in to really yeah, be intentional and take care of ourselves? Are you asking that? 
I just, yeah, I'm just thinking, <laughs> I guess I'm just thinking how this all kind of came together. And I love, I love the way they're all really tied together. And I think, I don't know, I think for people listening and, and the clients that we work with, it's just, I don't know, like, well, how are you thinking about yourself? How are you considering yourself mm-hmm. in these situations? Or what are your expectations? Or how do you create essentially your own structure when you need a little bit just to, to, yeah, again, consider your needs. And then when does structure feel like a bad word? When does being unstructured sound great, but it's, you're, it's just not something that you, you just need a little bit of planning to, to really unwind and relax or I could just see how it could be a little bit different for everybody, but that yeah. mostly people would relate to these themes and messages mm-hmm. and hopefully hear them as a discussion between these related topics rather than a, like a prescription mm-hmm. of this is exactly what you need to do and how you should think about it. Yeah, even framing it as a learning process, because that's what this is. This might be your first summer navigating this really disordered thinking. And and maybe it's been something that you've subconsciously dealt with for years, but this is the first time with the awareness that I don't have a good relationship with my body and I don't have a good relationship with food. So maybe this is your first summer navigating it. Maybe it's your fifth or your 10th or whatever the case is, but we're still learning because every summer, just like every holiday and every different triggering situation is going to be a little bit different. So rather than looking at these things as like, oh my gosh, this summer was a failure. The summer is not a failure just because there were some instances where maybe I should have been more structured. Maybe in hindsight, I wish I would have talked to somebody and, and found a supportive person prior to going on that vacation. That's fine. Now we have that information. Now we can use that next time. I think the temptation for a lot of people is to categorize things, good or bad, fun or awful, you know, <laughs> and, and it doesn't have to necessarily have a label. It can just be something that we learn from. I love how you said that. It, it makes me think of like the client that I was sharing a bit with you before we popped on and she kind of touches all of these. So for her, she loves being a student and she you know, is very intelligent, works really hard in school. And she has that sense of needing to earn things and achieve things. And she's very perfectionistic. And so when she came home for the summer, what she was noticing is that she needed to bring some structure to when does she eat breakfast? When does she eat lunch? When does she eat snacks? But also with her therapist address that what, do you, you know, what does that mean about you when you're not achieving things or having specific directives? And, and, And she really, between her therapist and I was working through a lot of these, yeah, these themes and these examples. And so I think the way you described it of, hey, we bring awareness to this. You may be experiencing all of these things or some of these things or in a different way or or in the exact same way as we've described them. And then once you kind of process it and bring awareness to it, oh, it's not that I, you know, totally failed at the weekend or I'm unable to relax or that vacation was awful, but yeah, how then, then what can you do moving forward Mm -hmm. and figure out here's what I might've needed. And so I hope this conversation can bring some context to that and give you some things to think about so that, yeah, the next time you do go away somewhere or as you, you know, continue on in the summer, yeah, what do you need? Mm-hmm. So how do you, from the dietitian side of it, because I know we have a lot of 
young adults coming home from college. Um, and it might be the freshman year, it might be the senior year, whatever the case is. And there seem to be some challenges with parents who want to take control um, in a lot of ways where you have a college student who for the last nine months has been making all of these food decisions and has felt really empowered and in control. How do you deal with that from the dietitian's side of it? And how much of this is on the client to handle and how much of this is on the parent to sort of know their boundaries? Yeah, that can be tricky because it touches it touches that biological component and psychological and social. So it's almost like you end up looking at, okay, I was doing all this for myself, but I'm also now sharing a space with my parents. And so you kind of renegotiate those things. I think of it as like, if you moved in with a significant other, or you had new roommates, I think of this in a similar way where it's like, what do you take care of? And then what do you come together on? So maybe it's like, oh yeah, my roommates and I, you know, we like to eat dinner together or my significant other and I, you know, we make dinner together on weekends, but we kind of do our own thing on nights that they work late or whatever. I think with the parents in that situation, it's like, I'm kind of trying to think about this through a couple different angles. Because technically that college student, they would have been doing it all on their own. So they could choose to continue that because that's what they had been doing. But they might have also relied on the structure of like a dining hall or eating out. And so it's like it comes it goes into like what is your skill level around cooking and things that you want to cook? How do you eat um, the same or different from people in your household? versus what are some things that when it just comes to more socially, like sharing meals and and how you want to approach that. So I think it can be tricky where you want to think through those different things. Yeah. I'm just thinking of one client who is coming home and and there's all kinds of dynamics within families that have nothing to do with food. And that's fine also. But I sort of find myself in this weird situation where I want to tell his parents to like essentially back off. Mm -hmm. And I think it comes to this, this weird place where I've been working with him for a while. So I have a pretty good understanding of what the mechanisms behind this struggle are. Then he goes home for the summer and maybe the parents are just like, you don't have a problem. Like, and then there's the whole like, boys don't have eating disorders, weird thing. Mm -hmm. So then it gets to this strange place of what are we doing? And and parents can be so helpful, but then other times it's kind of like we have to let go a little bit, especially if things have been going well with the structure of school, like let them do that. For sure. And, and, and thinking about, you know, you nailed it too with like, when are we talking about food and when is it other family dynamics mm-hmm. that are kind of getting into the conversation of food when it's really not about food at that point of, you know, whether it's who's in charge and who's in control and what kind of issues do we think we have? And yeah, looking at, I think having conversations like, here's what I need for you to support me, you know, this summer. And here's what, you know, the short list could look like, whether it's on Sundays, I tell you some of the foods that I might like you to throw in the grocery list. If you're doing the grocery shopping for us, or if I'm doing that for our family now, and you know, what's the communication around that? And, you know, is it better for that person to, 
eat a bit more independently or are there some challenges that, yeah, that they need to test out and see, oh, what would that feel like to eat, you know, with mom if, you know, we knew that she wasn't completely understanding of what you're dealing with and, hmm. Sorry to kind of tailspin mm-hmm. with that question. I think I just genuinely wanted to ask you that question yeah. because that might have been like bubbling in the back of my mind for a while. So mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think that's where, yeah, it's like, when is it the rhythm? When is it the structure? Mm-hmm. When is it fitting into the logistics of, you know, thinking through when you're going to eat what and when who's responsible for what? If you're out at a friend's house, even though you're saying, you know, do you need to tell your parents that you're not going to be coming back for dinner or do they not count you in unless you let them know that you are going to be around? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's more, yeah, I think it would be a big expectation setting Mm-hmm. session around those two things. Well, I really enjoyed talking through this stuff with you today and how real life, like the role of structure comes into mm-hmm. eating and, and the lack of structure and how that can throw us off. And so then what do you do when that happens? So I think it'll be really, really relatable for people and uh, hopefully it can allow them to enjoy their summer times and their leisure time a bit more right yeah to enjoy the summer hopefully this maybe has taken some of the complication out of it yeah and shown that there's not like a perfect way to go about it or that it's okay to to struggle with that a lot of people that I talk to they're like I feel guilty like I shouldn't be struggling if I'm on vacation it's like well no not necessarily Mm -hmm. because it can bring up some of these specific things so definitely Definitely. Well, thank you so much, Sarah, again, for being here. Where can people find you in case they did not listen to the last podcast episode that you were on? Thank you so much for asking. They can find me on Instagram at Sarah Dundar Counseling, also under the same name on Facebook. Every once in a while, I'll hop on there and and post my thoughts about lots of different food and diet culture related things. Although I have not been posting as much lately. But still follow. Maybe that'll motivate me to post more. <laughs> Dare I say you've been having a lot of social fun this summer? And... Oh, so, so much. So that's the plan for right now. Honestly, if you want to find me, just check the, the neighborhood pools. and You'll probably find me somewhere around there. Having an ice cream cone with sprinkles on it. Of course, because as we've said, there's never a bad time. So. <laughs> well, thank you so much. And everyone else, until next time. Thanks to you for listening. Find me on Instagram at Align Nutrition. Let me know if you like this or if you have other topics or ideas for the podcast. I love hearing from you. If you've gotten something out of this, help us reach more people who need this message by subscribing in your podcast app. A nice rating and review also helps us reach more people and is so appreciated. I hope you enjoyed this episode and until next time.